This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing. And I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the world's only brand identity theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. You know, today I was uh, working very feverishly on a research paper. And it occurred to me as I was working on this that one of the things I really need to work on is my ability to tell stories with my data. (laughs) And, you know, a statistic is a statistic and nobody cares about the p-value or whatever. They care about why is this important. So it would be really helpful if I could get some tips on, you know, how to be a better storyteller. And I think that's a really important thing for marketers as well. What do you think? Uh, I think it couldn't be more important telling a good story, telling a good brand story. And you know what? What's that? Uh-huh. On our show, we have an expert on that, Melanie Diesel, who's the founder and chief content officer of Story Fuel, which is a firm that specifically teaches marketers how they can think like journalists to tell better brand stories. So that's delightful. We're so happy you're here, Melanie. Hello, Melanie. Yeah, thanks for letting me come join your hangout here. Yeah. (laughs) You just finished a book also called The Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas. I guess you've given a lot of speeches on this topic, and you're going to help scratch America's itch and tell us how (laughs) to tell stories with brands today. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and why you came to write that book and why you are going to, you know, the answers to these questions. (laughs) Well, I'll do my best to share the answers that I do have. You know, I think we're all kind of learning as we go, especially in this new COVID world, how to adapt all the things we thought we knew and thought thought we knew what to do about, right? Um, But yeah, so my background is that of a journalist. I studied investigative reporting as an undergraduate and got my master's in arts and cultural criticism. Um, And it turns out, in case any of you listening are considering, uh, those are the two least employable versions of a journalism (laughs) degree. And so I had a a hard time trying to find a job doing either of those things. And so I was looking for other ways to put those skills to use. And that's how I found myself in the world of, of branded content, you know, just helping marketers learn the things that I learned in journalism school and understanding how that can help them tell better stories, share their message, connect with their audience in a, in a more credible, you know, and compelling way. So when you say that, when you came into this world and you didn't start out in this world, you came into it, were yeah. you coming in through the channels of social media, telling branded stories in traditional TV advertising or print advertising or... So the the first place I worked after I made the transition was actually Huffington Post. So Mm -hmm. Huffington Post hired me for a team that is was at one point known as HuffPost Partner Studio. I know they've been bought out a number of times. Who knows what they're called now? But basically, our charge was when brands would come to HuffPost and say, we want to connect with your audience. uh, It was my job to kind of help them think more about stories than squares and rectangles and say, instead of just buying an ad, let's tell some stories together. So as story in print, then that's. Yeah, well, it started in digital. Yep. So well, Huffington Post, it was exclusively digital. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. 
Yeah, so I started I started in digital, um, but then I, I moved over to the New York Times. I was their first editor of brand content there. So I worked in both newspaper and online, uh, same capacity, you know, helping advertisers tell stories that sort of met wait, that wait, New York wait, Times. Wait, you worked at what's the gray, what's she called? The gray mistress? The gray lady. The gray, gray lady. lady, right, right. <laughs> Not the mistress, she's a lady. Uh, <laughs> so when you were on the brand story, you were on the advertising side of that divided world. Um, and you would help the brands come in, but you're a journalist. So there you found yourself on the advertising side at the New York yeah, Times. So it has to be the dream job for a journalist. It absolutely was. I mean, I had always dreamed as a journalist to work for the Times, of course. I think many of us do when we get into this. That's sort of the pinnacle. Um, but yeah, I was firmly planted on the advertising side. I was a part of a team called T-Brand Studio that was uh, you know, reporting into advertising. And I never created any editorial content. I didn't identify myself as a journalist. You know, We were very serious about making sure we weren't creating any confusion for our readers, for our advertisers, or for anyone else about where the content we created was coming from. Now I gotta ask you a question about this because Americans and I come to branding from different perspectives. So yeah. you're telling a story and both of us would totally agree with story, but I would tell a story that's about like, What's the brand positioning? How does, what's the brand mantra? What's the differentiation of the brand compared to other brands? And I would kind of try to tell a story around that differentiation. Whereas I believe Americus, as the world's only brand identity theorist, would be more likely to tell a, brand, a story about the brand's identity. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. it's slightly different mm. philosophical approach to branding. Mm -hmm. And I wonder where you sit on that continuum. So I always say that uh, if, you, if we're going to work together, you already have to know who you are, right? I'm not going to help you figure out who you are as a brand, but what I can help you with is figure out how do we share that and convey that to your audience. So if somebody has worked with either of you and they already know this is who we are, this is what we stand for, our mission, our values, then I can come in and help say, well, how do we bring that to life on our blog, on our mm -hmm. YouTube channel, on our Instagram page, wherever else, on, on the product copy on our website, right? Mm -hmm. It's really about figuring out how do we create content that demonstrates those values instead of just saying it, right? Interesting. Oh, see, that's very interesting. So, very can you cool. give us can you give us a concrete example that would help? You know, like so, brand comes to you either with their own identity, their own positioning, and then you went, "How am I going to translate this?" And you've now started, you know, story fuel and taking that past the New York Times, etc. But so, what's yeah. the modus operandi? How how do you figure out what sure. are the tools to do that? So just to give you a concrete example that I think is probably a little bit easier to relate to, I'm going to give you an example from the New York Times, because I think it's a little more relatable for folks than maybe some of the internal stuff we do with brands. But okay. mm -hmm. uh, when I was at the New York Times, um, the team at Netflix and Orange is the New Black, you know, their mm -hmm. show about women yep. in prison, yep. uh, they came to us and said, look, we want to appeal to New York Times readers, but we don't want to talk about the characters of the plot we really want your readership in particular to understand that this is based on a true story and it's based on real issues that the prison population is facing. So my job at, in that role is to say, well, how do we find the intersection between that story the brand wants to tell mm -hmm. and what our audience specifically is interested mm -hmm. in? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the approach we took, what we ended up creating was a long form investigative piece yep. about what it's really like to be a woman in prison. Yep. We had yeah. a three part mini documentary. 
Uh, I poured through tons of government data and we made infographics. So we really created this multimedia experience yep. sponsored by Netflix. That was probably the most orange page you'll ever find on, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the New York Times, right? Not exactly our, our typical editorial brand. Um, but wanting to make sure it was clearly disclosed, we told a really honest, truthful story right. about what it's like to be a woman, in, a woman in, in, in the American prison system. And then at the end, we had standard ads that would say, if you're interested in this topic, you might want to watch season two of Orange is the New Black, which is coming yeah, out. Interesting. <laughs> and this is great. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. Uh, listeners, if you're just joining us, uh, we are speaking with Melanie Diesel, the founder and chief content officer of Story Fuel which is a fantastic firm that teaches marketers how they can think more like journalists. And so uh, this is absolutely interesting. I want to go back to Barbara's point, though. The hybrid of kind of the stuff about the brand, but yeah. also the storytelling stuff. And I talk to me. First of all, thank you very much for being a journalist, because as we all know <laughs> these days, uh, the, the role of journalism in society is very important and probably being a question never before it has been before today. Uh, yeah. So keep so keep doing that. Please keep putting <laughs> truth out there and facts. Uh, but anyway, so let me get off the soapbox there. Uh, but <laughs> let, let me just say that you know, tell, talk to me and Barbara about how you because I, I would assume like one of the things that would be useful in the storytelling is to have some kind of arc, right? So that here's the sure. hero, here's the villain, here's the talk us through that how you mar how you kind of create that kind of emphasis when you're still trying to also make sure that the informational aspects are in place as well. So I think oftentimes we do want to approach it in that way with some sort of arc or like a, you know, a framework of some kind, which I'm a big fan of systems myself. Uh, there are a couple different ones out there that you can look into. Uh, Donald Miller has a great one story mm. brand that talks about finding, you know, who's the hero of their brand story and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you could follow the typical, you know, hero journey saga that has a, a whole system played out. But what I often find more helpful is instead of planning how the whole story is going to unfold ahead of time, mm -hmm. is really sort of reverse engineering it. Because, you know, in journalism, you never decide what the story is going to be before you start reporting, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to... No. Yes, the, the good ones, right. the good ones, right? Right, right, so, right. So, Some people yes. just come in with agendas. Yes, yes, yes. It's true, it's true. Um, but for us, what we want to do is kind of back up and say, okay, as a brand, we're trying to tell a story about this product, this event, this sale we're having, whatever the case may be. How can we make that story more journalistic in nature and therefore more compelling and more uh, trustworthy, right? More credible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we've got some things that we use. And it's funny you mentioned truth. I use truth as the acronym to help us remember what those five things are. Oh, so we could nice. drop those real quick if we want to dive it. into that. Yeah, Absolutely. let's do that. Yeah. So the first thing you always want to do is recognize that you can teach your audience something, right? Mm -hmm. As much as you mm -hmm. can teach your audience, it's your job to convey the information they need. So really think about that. What does my audience need to know? Mm -hmm. How can I teach them in this piece of content? Mm -hmm. The second one, the R, is for reputable sources. Oftentimes, especially mm, with okay. brand content, with marketing content, we tend to quote ourselves, our uh -huh. boss, our colleague. Look for reputable sources, whether those uh, are humans or data points or studies. Look for reputable sources to bring in to back up what you're saying. Mm -hmm. That's going to really create more trust with your audience. Mm -hmm. I kind of just so, trip one second before you get just yeah. PNR. It's interesting because that's really about authenticity and you know, and the whole idea that it's truth. You know, it's interesting because I made this big point. You're on the advertising side, but what you're talking about does sound like journalism to me. Yes. No, yeah, 100%. So you are taking some of those values to what Americans were saying on the soapbox. And instead <laughs> of reporting them, you know, you're talking about applying them to brands. 
That's actually That's right. a very interesting idea, I think. But yeah. I, I'm sorry, well, I, we're only on TNR and I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, I would say I stand on the advertising side, but I always keep one foot up on the soapbox just in case, you know? You yep. gotta... <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Well, that's really interesting. I think it's super important in today's world. Yes. You know, because brands that are all hype, they're right. just not gonna, it's not going to be a reliable right. that people are going to believe. So yeah. we got TNR, we're on you. I didn't mean to, <laughs> I was taken by what you were saying. Yeah, so the U is for uniqueness. And this is probably the toughest ones for, for brands and marketers to wrap our heads around. Our audience doesn't care about most of the things we want to tell them. So that's yeah. what we really need to ask ourselves. You know, what's what's unique about this story? How is it differentiated? Barbara, coming back to what you were saying before, why is this story special, right? What's interesting about this? Looking for first or only or most rec records of some kind, you really just need to figure out why this story is special and different and worth telling. If you can't answer that question, you probably need to start over, right? Mm -hmm. Our second T, our second T in the TRUTH acronym is for tension. So, you know, good journalists know that there has to be something at stake for people to care about it. So as we think uh, about the things that we're all reading right now, consuming, watching, it's all the things that are relevant to us that have something at stake for us. You know, if you have children, you're reading into what's happening with the schools and whether your kids are going back to school because that matters to you. It, it's relevant to your life. Mm -hmm. So when you find the tension in the story, what's at stake for my audience here? Uh, you don't have to be... A, you know, it's not a scare tactic. We're not right. trying to be dramatic here, but we need to be able to answer that question too. Why does our audience care about this story? And again, if we can't answer that, why it's relevant to them, we either have the wrong story or the wrong audience. Right. And then that last one, the H for us here is human connection. So what's really important and all journalists, you know, the good ones know this is you need to put faces and voices in your stories. So whether that is literally just naming a person instead of having it be anonymous when you can, that's important. Whether it's using photos that have faces or using video that has faces and not just graphics or something, the more people and voices and names that you put inside of your content, the more opportunities you give your audience to relate to you. So you want that audience to be able to connect with you mm -hmm. and connect with your content and every face, every voice, every experience is an opportunity for them to see themselves in that content. Interesting. Okay, so we're talking to Melanie Diesel, the founder and chief content officer of StoryFuel. Let's see if I got this right. And she's telling us the way to build a good brand story is through truth, right? So we got yep. each, is that T, the first T? Reputable yep. uniqueness, T-R-U. T was tension. That's the one I really like, that tension. I was right. thinking yes. when Americus was talking about the story arc, I was thinking about classic drama, which is right. thesis, antithesis, antithesis, and then right. synthesis. So right. that yep. notion of tension. And then finally, human. What's interesting to me about human, I'm surprised you put that in, but I teach this course <laughs> on visual marketing. Right. And we talk a lot about what people look at, you know, and, and thinking about the design elements of building a brand, et cetera. Right. And the first thing that people look at, if you do eye tracking and see what they look at, I'm sure you're not surprised by this, are faces. Right. So they're drawn to the face. They're drawn to that visual imagery. Right, right. And that's somewhat similar to what you're saying, only, you know, through the storytelling aspect. Right, well, right. It, and this, this comes from, you know, one of the things that we always say in journalism, you know, if you're going to interview a source, sometimes those are people who are hostile, who may not want to talk to you. So it's really important to establish rapport, to have a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you do that with small talk, the human elements about 
whether they have kids or you see a picture of their dog on their desk and you ask what breed it is because you've got the same kind of dog or you see that they are right. wearing, you know, right. representing a certain university on their on their jacket. So, OK, let's talk about that. I went there as well. Right. Or my friend went there, you know, those those yeah. opportunities to connect on a human level really deepens the connection. And so we kind of want to do the same thing with our audience. How can we give them opportunities yeah. to see themselves in this content? And what I, what I really like about this, uh, Melanie Diesel, founder and chief content officer, Story Fuel, who we're speaking with here, help us marketers get better at uh, telling stories from a more of a journalistic perspective. Barbara, I was thinking about one of the big challenges that we're faced with right now, Melanie, is how do you deliver a class online? Uh, you're forced to do it now and you can't be around people. So what do you need to do to like make your class better and really create a strong <laughs> perceived value proposition? And I'm thinking like this model is absolutely perfect to like walk through every one of my classes, Barbara, and think through each of these, these truth uh, principles. Because in some sense, it's like I'm, I have to tell a story. I have to build a brand about my class associated with how it's virtually being delivered. And like this exact same analysis, Barbara, I think can also apply to what we're trying to do to figure out how we're going to be moving forward in the post-COVID world in terms of teaching our classes. I'll just say that. But I want to talk, I want to ask you a question, Melanie, about so in your in your analysis, what happens? Do, do you need all four? Are are these additive? So if I if I only have TRU or TR or TRT or TRH, what 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 happens in terms of the effectiveness of this? <laughs> you're you're totally okay, right? And okay. It, it, it's tough to imagine a scenario where a single tweet or something could abide by all of all five of these things. Gotcha. What we're really going for is these are the levers that you can pull to help increase the credibility and how compelling your content mm. is. So whenever you're in a situation where you're like, this isn't doing it, or people aren't responding to this, or I'm just not feeling this, I feel like something's missing, going through these as a checklist, well, have I taught my audience something? Did I bring in reputable sources? Mm -hmm. Do I really know what's unique about this story? Is there some tension here? Like what's at stake? Why should they care about it? Mm -hmm. And then is there a human connection here? Can we Have we brought in faces and voices and a human element? Mm -hmm. And sometimes pulling just one or, or a couple of those levers can really change how that content lands with your audience and how they engage with it. What's interesting about your saying that, I mean, there's a couple of things that this tension thing, I've heard a lot of brand experts talk about the importance of tension. So creating some kind of tension really creates that affinity to brands. But then like this, uh, it, these things that you're saying, I think America's is pointed that you don't need all five is really an important point because I can imagine that there's different communication tactics you might use. So there may be times when you do an uh, advertising strategy, for example, where it's all about teaching. It's yes. essentially informational. So yeah. I'm yeah. teaching you something and I'm going to link my brand to that teachable moment. Right. Whereas other times, yeah. tension uh, would be creating that emotional, dramatic kind of thing. Yeah. And then you could even think about humans as celebrity endorsement or you know like yep. attach it to or the end user or like in china with yep. the kols the you know the new key opinion leaders or you yep. know so like i could i think that it, i would imagine not only do you not have to use all five sometimes you may want to separate oh them interesting different yeah. kinds of ways of demonstrating your brand strategy and having these different ways of doing it may go together to create a stronger brand yeah, you're 100% right, Barbara. I think there are certain situations where it's really strategic to leverage one over the other. Um, so one of the things that we find we create so often, but are very usually very bland, is something like testimonials. 
think about the testimonials that most yeah. of us are rolling with. It's like Jane Doe said, this product is great. Like, right. you know, right. anonymous, right? How can we make that more human? How can we, let's get her voice. Let's get her saying the quote or on video giving it, right? Make it more human. Don't just say the product is great. Why is it great? What problems were you facing? Put some tension in there. Make it, make them understand why it matters that the product is great. So along those lines, how important are celebrity endorsements or KOL endorsements mm -hmm. or, you know, like, because I'm seeing a lot of that, like I've been studying a lot of Chinese retail mm -hmm. and in Chinese, you know, the whole issue with TikTok recently, actually, the idea in China, uh -huh. TikTok is a huge selling mechanism and they're well, really- Well, Barbara, Barbara, you know that, Barbara, you know TikTok is the enemy of the state, right? Well, <laughs> not Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft takes it over, we're good. Okay. <laughs> but, but a lot of that is about creating content, you know, and so do you, I mean, so that's, it's parallel to what you're saying, but I'm just curious, I, it's totally not at odds, but I'm curious how much you would use a, a platform like TikTok or Instagram mm -hmm. or sure. all these other kinds of things and mm -hmm. how you do that. Mm -hmm. I think at the risk of sounding like every answer to every marketing question, it depends, right? What's strategic for that situation? Oh, we're so, that. That's, you know? that's all I say, you know? actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the reality is, you know, if, if the key opinion leader or the celebrity that you're choosing has a great relationship with your audience and it makes sense for your product, then absolutely. But, you know, there's a lot of people who think that they need a Kardashian to endorse their product. And, you know, if the Kardashian's not using it or if the audience doesn't believe that they're using it, then that's not going to do much for you. Right. It's the same thing I talked about when I was at the New York Times. You know, a lot of brands wanted to do sponsored content with us, but if we don't capture your audience or if you're better served by a more like a smaller niche publication, then that's going to be a more strategic choice for you. So it really comes down to what are you trying to achieve? And is this individual and their specific audience going to get you those results? Because if not, there's probably somebody else who will. So what's your take on the Black Lives Matter uh, issue now? And brands taking a stand there and coming mm -hmm. out. How, how do you, what's the story you tell there? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the, the biggest problem that brands had with that whole fiasco is that, you know, brands were standing up and saying, we're together, we stand with you, we support Black Lives Matter. And then their actions were doing something totally different. It's really hard, you know, people are gonna call you on it. It's too, you have to be transparent now. And so if it's an empty promise, if it's a statement that, you know, you're putting out for PR purposes and you're not also walking the walk, then someone's gonna call you on that. And so it really comes back to authenticity like we were talking about earlier. You know, don't put out content that you can't actually stand behind, you know, demonstrate your values. You guys know this journalism, show don't tell, right? right so right. many brands were telling people, we support Black Lives Matter, we support diversity, we are, you know, in support of this movement. And then they were doing something totally different. And when you have actions and words that don't align, people tend to believe your actions. So you want to make sure that all the content and messaging you're putting out is not just words, that you're actually, you know, doing something behind the scenes with it. Well, you know, Melanie, this has been a terrific conversation. Yes, Thank you so fantastic. much for joining us today. Where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? Yeah, well, if you search for me, Melanie Diesel, you'll find me across whatever social platform is your favorite of the day. Uh, you can learn more about me and my team at StoryFuel at storyfuel.co, so .co. You can learn about all the stuff that we do there, all the ways we can help you, and, and learn more about the book if you're interested in that, too. Yeah, the book is called The Content Fuel Framework. Is that right? Yes. That's right. 
This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 